Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, folks, welcome back to the latest Mountain West Wire podcast. Check us out, mwwire.com. That's our good old website. Jeremy Moss here, Matt Connelly talking San Jose State football. Woohoo! It had to happen sometime. It, why do you say it that way, Matt? It had to I mean, happen. I, I, mean I, I tease a little bit, but, it, you know. They'll struggle. They're, 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 you know what, though? They'll struggle, but I think they're going to be more interesting this year than they were last year. I think that's the case. We'll get to all that in a moment. I will say I am I am very enthused with Montel Aaron at quarterback. But before we get to that, Twitter, MWR, MWCR, excuse me, Mount Westwire, Facebook. Um, if you want to follow along our, our top 50 countdowns going full full steam, people seem to love it. So what's the hashtag you get, man? Isn't it um, – what is it? You have in front of you probably. You've been writing most of these. I've been just giving you the pictures. <laughs> yeah, it is uh, hashtag MWCWire top 50. Go follow that. We have, a, we have a tag on our page for the top 50. We, if you go over to Patreon backslash MWCWire, if you want to be nice and give a buck to us, appreciative. Get those a couple days early. Participate in our all-conference poll, which is ongoing. Well, depending on when you listen to this, but at this time it is. And you can um, get um, what else, the podcast without those, um, those pesky ads in the middle of it, right? Word. So San Jose State football. We've done – we're moving on to the West Division because it's been a heavy mountain division and better teams. So we decided to – let's get to the teams that – not – we know the Spartans aren't going to be great, but we're getting to teams that might uh, struggle to make a bowl game. So we're going to save the contenders for last. We're doing San Jose State this time. The next podcast will be Hawaii and then UNLV, correct? Yes. Also, but if you miss CSU, Nevada, Air Force, go back and listen to those as well because, hey, it's still sitting in line. Football season still sixty sub-60 days away. So let's get going. San Jose State. Um if we have a couple words to describe the Spartans, what would it be? Would it be rebuilding? Or is there a word less than rebuilding that needs to be done? Like, um, I don't know, stockpile? They need. What's the word that needs to – you know you know what I'm getting to? <laughs> well, Bill Connolly over at SB Nation has touted the whole idea of year zero. And that, I think last when, year. <laughs> when you look back at, at last year's Spartans team, I think that's pretty much – yeah, that's pretty much the term that encompasses the way that that season ended up unfolding. Because I remember even as far back as week one, you know, what, that the game they opened against a, a ranked South Florida team at home. Oh, boy. And then they stunned everybody by getting out to a 16 to nothing lead. And then, you know, if you were watching the game, and I remember having this feeling like, you know, like a decent team would be able to put their foot down on this South Florida team. And you could just tell, like, they were really grinding the gears to get things going on offense. And, you know, you know, stories, you know, everybody knows the story. They ended up running off a bunch of points. They lost the game by 20. They won the next week at Cal Poly. And then they had to wait until the season's end to win another game. And, you know, in between, it seemed like every time you looked at the San Jose State Spartans, it was, you know, the offense was really struggling Special teams were pretty good, and the defense was really kind of fighting a losing battle. And going into 2018, you know, it's the situation is a little bit different this time because, you know, they do have a couple of things going for them, which makes me a, a, a little more optimistic than maybe some other folks might be about their long-term prospects. You know, I look at two things. One, they they've still recruited pretty well, you know, it wasn't, you know, as recently as 2015, they were the second best recruiting class in the entire conference. And, you know, even in the last two years when Brent Brennan has been the head coach, they've still recruited in the upper half of the mountain West and they've already landed, you know, three or four different three-star recruits for the 2019 class. And they've done, a really good job of kind of branding themselves. Like if you're on Twitter as much as I am, you kind of see them putting themselves out there. Like, you know, 
putting in the work, being optimistic, being energetic online, things like that, perhaps more so than pretty much any other program in the conference. And so they're kind of building something for themselves there. And, you know, that's something that I think, you know, future players will probably buy into a little bit more than the teams who are a little less active online. But more importantly, they're bringing pretty much everybody back on an offense that couldn't get much worse last year. Can I give a a shameless plug real quick before you continue? Yes. MWC Recruiting on Twitter. Follow that. Absolutely. All sorts. It mostly retweets, but any offer that comes through the league, it's probably through there as well. So give that a centralized follow to help you guys out. But like I said, more to the point, (laughs) you know, if you look at different measures of returning production, you know, if you go and look at what Bill C. wrote back in January, um, the Spartans rank fifth in the FBS in returning production. You know, if you've read Phil Steele's magazine, his percentage of yards returning from year to year, Spartans rank third. And so, you know, that kind of continuity matters. Like, you know, Bill C's went and done the homework about what really correlates from, you know, year to year success. And especially in the passing game, which, you know, maybe is the thing that will make the Spartans more competitive in 2018. San Jose State's got pretty much everybody back, you know, both throwing the ball and catching the ball. And maybe that's where we should start the conversation. We should. And it should be no questions asked, Mon- even though it's not the case. Montel Aaron should be the starting quarterback. He suffered a, inj- what, a knee injury last year in the Utah game, and he missed, what, a handful of games. I remember watching that game because I follow the Utes. He led a mini, a mini scoring surge. I think they scored 10 points at the end of the half. To make it respectable, they were second half was no chance for for them to win. But Utah's known for a good defense. He moved the ball down the field. He could pass the ball well. They have a Josh all their tight end. But it's got to be Aaron. When he played, he looked pretty good. Like he had eight touchdowns. He had ten picks. But he looked more of the competent when you compare him to Josh Love. And so I'd assume it's going to be Aaron. Who yeah, twenty two sacks isn't great, but having the knee bother him afterwards, obviously when he came back, cause they were super dead quiet. They said nothing. Like I thought it was an ACL tear, just speculation because he had the knee in the ice wrap was already out of uniform that Utah game ended up playing a little bit later end of the year, but he's going to be the guy. He, at least he should be the guy. And that's where I see there is some confidence of them, especially they're in the West division. Hawaii is not that great defensively. UNLV, can, UNLV will give up points. Nevada's defense isn't great outside of Fresno and San Diego state, which are not going to win. They have a decent chance that maybe those three games could be possible, win, maybe even wins against this team because it's going to start with Aaron throwing the ball. And Tyler Evans, I think uh, Athlon and Phil still have them, what, third or fourth team running back in the league. Mm-hmm. He has to do better, but they you, you're right. They have pieces back, but if a healthy Aaron's there, they're going to not maybe not surprise people, but they're going to put up at least more points. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. If only because, you know, to kind of dig further into what you're saying – you know, the splits between what he did before and after November kind of tell you how the season went for the Spartans. Because, you know, in the six games that he played before November, he had, you know, eight touchdowns, three interceptions. He had a quarterback rating of about 139. And then in November, in the four games he played, you know, that was when the bottom kind of fell out. You know, he has, his quarterback rating plummeted to 87 and he had zero touchdowns against seven interceptions. You know, his yards per attempt dropped from, you know, about seven and a half to six. And his completion rate dropped from about 60% to 51%. And, you know, I don't think that's necessarily a knock on him. I think it's just, you know, some, you know, offensive line issues. They have the, they had to shuffle the line a lot last year. I'm trying to remember exactly how many combinations they had to use. But you know, that kind of continuity didn't help him at all, you know, and they were playing against some pretty decent defenses too. You know, he threw two picks against San Diego state. He threw, he actually threw three against Nevada. Um, But I think that, you know, it was kind of a trial by far, all things considered. And, you know, I think the question is how much of a step forward can he take? Because I think he will. I think there's definitely enough weapons around him that he will, the bigger question is how much. How much can – true, it also, but it goes back to – I think it'll be a lot because he's healthy. He played enough last year. But, again, like it's relative as well. How much is better for him? Would it be going from 56% completion rate to 60 to instead of 22 sacks and not even a full season to maybe 
15 sacks. You know what I mean? Like, is it just incremental? Like, his yards per attempt is only five yards, just over five yards. That's not good. Yeah. So, so what do we look at? 10% increase would be good enough for them to be a building block for a guy who's going to be a sophomore? I mean, I'm not sure. I mean, if you look at sack rate, I think it it looks a little better for him. Because if you compare him to some of the other quarterbacks who had you know similar numbers of dropbacks, you know, just one example, Christian Chapman, who we all think of as a pretty solid quarterback, actually had a higher sack rate on a similar amount of pass attempts than Aaron did. You know, the bigger question, I think, is what are they going to do along that offensive line? Because they're losing a ton of experience back there. And while they do have you know, young guys who are stepping into you know, big spots. Like, for instance, Jesse Chamberlain, he was a former three-star guy. Dominic Fredrickson was a three-star guy. You know, are those guys going to be able to step up and continue to protect him the way that he's going to need? You know, that, to me, is the bigger question. It is, and we, like, let's look who they have coming back. Like, yeah, the sack rate, but here's the thing. They lose basically their entire offensive line. Yeah, <laughs> that does not help. They do have a couple guys who had about a, almost a 20, 30, about 30 starts between the two of them. Like their mm-hmm. left and right tackle will be experienced. Uh, left, their guards will have, they have a couple guys who played here or there. So you have a good, better receiving group returning, or I guess returning guys, running back returning, quarterback returning. How good are these guys? And if you do, like you said, the recruiting's there. Like some of these guys, like, I, do you have the Phil Steele depth chart in front of you at all, Matt? I do. So like, if I'll mention a few names, I'd, I'd never, I don't have it here, but like Max Barth, freshman, one of the higher recruits. Like all these guys are 84 percentile, 82 percentile. Either redshirt freshmen like Jesse Chamberlain, Tyler Stevens, maybe Kyle Hoppy. They've all, all pretty good, very high level recruits for the San Jose State team compared to other guys ahead of them who played last year. So who do they have projected starting? All these young guys? Well, they have you know junior Troy Kowalski protecting. Aaron's blind side or whoever's under center. They yeah. have him projected it's, at the left on, it's gonna be He's Aaron. their veteran. It's He's Aaron. their veteran guy. They have Jack Snyder who started eight games last year, or rather 13 games, made eight starts last year. They have him at right tackle. He's a sophomore. And then at guards, they have Fredrickson and Jake Coleman, who are okay. a junior and a senior, respectively. Coleman played in six games. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then at center, they have Chamberlain backed up by Hoppy. Okay. You know, interestingly, Hoppy was another one of those guys who converted from the defensive line. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's not as though they don't have options. They're just going to need those guys to kind of step up and I think maybe more importantly, stay healthy. Yeah. And if you think about it, all these guys last year, like had 40 plus starts, 30 plus starts last year. They weren't very good despite not great having that that experience. Mm-hmm. So maybe, maybe these guys are just much better than everybody. I know Chris Gonzalez, all honorable mention, all league last year pretty good player at right guard but maybe these guys it seems like they just have better talent and maybe they'll step in half the lines played last year three to four guys have played enough games so injury and depth could be a concern and if they could kind of stem that off that'll help them out but i think also it's like the running game go above tyler evans he should be pretty good but he only had 670 yards last year it's not like he's running crazy but also it doesn't help when you have to throw when you're behind every game too so how mm-hmm. much how better could he be if this team has a better split ratio from running to passing where they don't have to throw every time because they're either getting sacked or they're down 21 zero or down, you I mean down 10 zero out of the gate, 13 zero out of the, when the game starts when on the third possession. Mm-hmm. And if he can get opportunities to run, they have Malik Roberson showed some decent stuff last year and limited carries, but cause he's a guy, he can make some plays like after he gets hit, he keeps going. So, and he's smaller guy, but I just think it's, it's, like not to just make it a super simple because it's football is not simple, but it's going to cut for the offense to succeed. The defense has to do their part as well because we'll get back to that as well. But it's the defense. They've been known to have pretty good guys in secondary rushing defense has been terrible, but if the defense can slow that any offense, like they play Washington state, they play Oregon, they play some pretty good teams. We know who they play in the mountain West. The defense has to do their part to help the offense. They can't be down 17. Oh, 21. and expect Aaron to, Throw down the field to Josh Oliver, Trey Hartley, Jaquan Blockwell. They can't expect that to come back. They have to be balanced. And sometimes teams are forcing to, uh, like, typically most teams have, like, a, what, 20 to 30 plays they run no matter what out of the gate. Mm-hmm. And so if you're down 17 0, something quickly, because you go three and out twice, you run six of those plays, you're down 14 0, 
Are you going to stick to running the ball on first down every time or the same plays? And if they score again, another field goal, 17-0, they had the defense is like is part of this. And they have mm-hmm. guys back there. I think you're right. The talent's getting there. Like, look at the young guys last year. Like, Nevin was a freshman last year. Um, receiving group is, is pretty experienced. But, like, Jaquan Blackwell was a freshman last year. Trey Walker was a freshman last year. The receiving group is super deep, and they have a lot of a lot of talented guys. We look at like the composite rankings. They may not play a lot, but they have a ton of depth on this team. And that's where I'm thinking: if Aaron can be given time to throw, this offense has got to be much better than last year. And it may not mean they're average in the conference, but they just have to be. I think they're going to be way better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think you're definitely right. You know, kind of going back to your point about the running game, real quick. You know, I like to go to football study hall to kind of inform what I talk about. And one of the numbers that stands out to me is there's this idea that Bill Connolly came up with called standard downs. And for those of you who aren't familiar with it, a standard down is basically just first down, second and seven or fewer, third and four or fewer, fourth and four or fewer. Do you know where the Spartans ranked on standard downs last year? So to rank on standard down means you have you have a better yardage situation per down, right? Yeah, so they have this thing called success rate, which is just basically 50, 50% of what you need on first down, 70% on second, 100% on third and fourth. I just cheated and looked, but I was going to say bad anyways, but give them the exact info. They were dead last in the country. 128. 130. Oh, am I looking at the wrong one? I th- oh, sorry, I'm looking you at ju- oh, sorry, I'm looking at efficiency, not everything. Okay, yeah, you're yeah, right. Yeah. Well, I mean, even in that, you know, you point to efficiency, that's just overall (laughs) success rate. Yeah, Yeah, they were 128. They really could not get much worse. And, you know, some of that, I think, comes down to can the running game be a little bit better? Because, you know, one of the things I noticed was, you know, standard downs run rate. They were, you know, 53rd in the country. You know, they were running the ball on those standard downs about 60 percent of the time. But what that tells me is that, you know, if they're ranking dead last anyway, it's that the runners aren't being as successful as they could be on early downs, which put a lot more pressure on, you know, a third down offense that ranked 11th in the conference. So, you know, on the whole, their numbers seem fine, you know, because, you know, Nevin's averaged four yards a carry. Malik Roberson behind him averaged four yards a carry. He's a more Ziggler average five yards carry all three of those guys are back they combined for about 1300 yards last year but they're gonna need to do something a little more on those early downs if this offense wants to survive yeah and like the depth of running back is pretty ridiculous we look at who they have but it's gonna be i think it's gonna be the same because like i feel a couple things like telling evans fumbled lost three fumbles last year Montel yeah. Aaron lost four fumbles last year. QB uh, Ziegler and P- Packer each lost three uh, three total. Fumbled four times total. And then you look at like Josh Love, the quarterback himself lost the ball nine times. That's you can't fumble that many times, especially quarterback, which I'm assuming most likely were just strip sacks, those type of things, trying to escape escape the line that wasn't protecting well. They have enough depth where ideally you want to have Nevins be the guy who should be. He, I think he can get to a thousand yards. I don't think that's a stretch to get a few hundred more. But then they're going to need like Malik Roberson, Ziggler. They have all these guys back there where they could have a good punch where rotate these guys in and out. And, yeah, they may not be. But here's where it's going to come to play. When they're in a close game, say 10 points or fewer late in the fourth quarter or even they're ahead, they can rotate the second, third, fourth guys out occasionally, give those guys a breather for just one play. You know, you put Packer in there for Nevins one time or Ziggler for Roberson for one play or one or two plays. They're there. They know they're not going to screw up once they're in there. And so they're going mm-hmm. going minimum four deep. That's a big thing for this team. If they could be close, that's going to help them out so much. But I just don't know if it's going to happen this year. But the good thing is, like, not to project 2019, basically all these guys running the ball, the top four backs, if they're all returned healthy, don't transfer, they're all back again another year. Well, I mean, you pointed to something that I think is one of those things where it really cannot get worse and that is the amount of times that they gave the ball away last year. They were they gave the ball away 11 more times than any other team in the country. Say that one more time 40, so people get that. What is that again? <laughs> San Jose State had 42 giveaways last year. Nobody else had more than 31. That is 11 more chances for the other team to score the score the ball. Pull points. Yeah, and I, and I'm I'm scrolling back on uh, on cfbstats.com to see if any team in the last <laughs> decade has 
turn the ball over that many times. And I'm not seeing another yeah. team. I'm back to 2013 now. Nobody else has turned the ball over at least 40 times. And, you know, it may seem kind of callous to, to, to talk about it like this, but it really is one of those things where, you know, another year in the system, another year of familiarity with one another – and a little more stability could make a world of difference for how this offense operates. And by the way, I'm back to 2009 now, and still nobody's turned the ball over 40 times. Neither in 08. I just went one, one year ahead of you, one, no 08. So it's been at least a decade since that's happened. So that is going to get better. Also, you know what I noticed interesting? Did you see who number 129 was last year? Uh, Washington State. These two teams play week two. Interesting. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Stay up for an eight-hour game, folks. Uh, so any what else on the offense can we talk about? Should we talk about Josh Oliver, who's probably the second best tight end, tight end in the conference? I mean, I would argue that point, but we can talk about him because, you know, if he can emerge as a weapon down the middle of the field, I think that would make a lot a life a lot easier for the guys on the outside. And you know, as it was, he did have thirty five catches for two hundred and ninety six yards last year. I mean, if I want to see anything, I want to see him become more of a red zone threat. Yeah, he is a guy like his yeah, number, sheer numbers aren't great, but when he is 6'5", 253, not to do a stupid fade, but get him to the sideline. Like, if he's a big guy, get him over there and some run people over. You know what? Know what a play that's missed a lot that you don't see very often? You know they have the wide receiver screen? Mm-hmm. Why don't they do that for a tight end, for a guy that's this big? Imagine him getting the ball as soon as he can and just bulldozing everybody over with, like, two guys in front of him. It's a good question. Is that a good is that is that my is that a good play call or am I just up in the night? I mean, I don't see why not. It's different, right? It is. I'm just saying, why not give the quick swing pass to that guy or even maybe even better, I love I love a good shovel pass. Instead of doing up under the middle, like you see the guy they'll sometimes have a H back go across, they'll do the play, good shovel pass. Why not do mm. a quick pass like you know you do the option? Like he's have the tight end. Maybe I'm a future play caller here. Probably not, but hear me out, folks. <laughs> yeah, the tight end to, I assume, isn't Aaron a right-handed quarterback? He's off the line of the tight end. Give him a quick pitch right away and let him go with it. Is that too much to ask for? I don't think so. He, I mean, he, I think, you, you know, any idea is a good idea when, you know, we talk about these, I'm throwing out all these numbers, but, you know, one that might be a little easier for people to understand. San Jose State averaged just 3.32 points per trip inside the 40. That's and that was good. 128th in the country. Most of these are triple digits, right, Matt? Should we warn people already? Or they already so so, so no idea is a bad idea. Let's <laughs> put it that way. I'm just saying, like, that's get the guy who can – a big guy like that. It's like a fullback guy. He may – two things it does. Not It does two things. It gets a guy who's really good with the ball, and it's just a different wrinkle in the play. Because there's a reason, like, if you watch any of these triple – play action, simple. Why does that work? They think you're going to run the ball. Or if you watch Navy or Air Force, Georgia Tech, Army, Nevada, New Mexico, there's a reason, especially Navy, they run the fake fullback dive like every play. Mm-hmm. So if you do that once, like twice in a game, you could even do a fake to do that. Like there's so many things that could open up to – it may only be one play. It may be one time you don't even throw to him that time, but it opens up something else somewhere else because they bite on the play. And so just get the guy the ball and like, yeah, you'd like him to average more than eight yards per catch. But they have other guys that go – they have a decent deep game, like 14 – a couple guys who go 14-plus like Trey Hartley. But I think, Oliver, you're right. Get it red zone threat. Get him the ball when it's close and let him just run people over. Exactly. All right, should we go to defense now? Are we – Are we? people need to – they thought the offense was bad. Are they ready for this defense? Well, <laughs> it's like I said, it's almost kind of the, the inverse of what it was last year because while the offense has everybody coming back – the defense does not. <laughs> you know, just to, to go back to those returning production numbers, you know, they were they were fifth in Bill C's metric on offense. They're 113th in returning production on defense. And, you know, Phil Steele is even lower than that. You know, his you know percentage of tackles coming back is 105th. Well, here's the thing. You lose Frank Gindo who had 133 tackles last year. That's true. That's gonna take that, that'll put a dent in your production. But even with him, they lose like 68 tackles in like William Osell. They lose a couple backup defensive ends. They're, those guys are gone a handful of tackles. They lose three or the four main secondary guys back there who lost another. They lost about 250 tackles off the, my quick math here. So 
that's an issue for a defense that also wasn't good last year. And we've made the kind of observation sort of joking last year. Their rush defense is terrible. That's the reason their pass defense is good. That's the case. They, they have to stop somebody running the ball, and they haven't done that for years. They've been last in the Mountain West, West in like yards per play and yards per game and everything for, who knows, for years, right? Mm-hmm. I guess, tw- well, let me rephrase that. 2016, they were 10th, so there's that. And they were 7th in 2015, but they're just not good. Overall, they're just bottom half in the conference like every year. They're a team where it's like there was that game a couple years ago when they played when Minnesota was – running like a triple option or run heavy quarterback. They just ran like every time they had like four passes. Well, okay. So I, I found this statistic, right? And I'm not sure quite what it means, but I mean, I was interested in, in your thoughts on it. You know, there were nine teams last year that had at least a thousand plays run against them on defense the only team that wasn't a bowl team was San Jose State. So that's that. So there was a – say that one more time. It makes sure I understood what you said. So there were one, two, three, four, five, nine teams had 1,000 plays run against their defense. Oh, 1,000 plays. Or I thought you said 1,000 rushing plays. I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah. And San Jose State was the only team that didn't make a bowl of those nine squads. Interesting. So let me see the teams that – I'm trying to pull up here in football – CFP stats. So – but, you know, of that group, it is probably worth noting, the only team that was worse on a per-play average was UCLA. Because when you're when you're giving up 6.2 yards per carry and you're having that many plays run against you, yeah. you know, that's not ever going to get the job done, ever. You here's, know? here's what I noticed about the other teams. Arizona, ton of points, fast-paced team. Part of it is your pace of play, too, a bit. Yes. Arizona... Uh, Florida Atlantic and Memphis were teams that ran just wanted to move the ball and score a lot of points. So that is interesting that out of those teams, but I think part of it is I think most majority of those teams on there were because they ran, they moved the ball a lot on offense and pace the play a little bit and their defense was just okay. That is That's a good stat. That it is quite interesting, but I think what it says for San Jose state's purpose is that they just weren't, very, part of it is that they often stalled out so many times they gave the other team enough chances, defense wore down a bit, which means once it gets to third or fourth quarter, they'll have an extra three to ten plays here or there because the defense is just too tired and can't make plays either talent-wise, exhaustion, you're down 21-0, you don't care as much because I don't care how good a competitive athlete you are, when you're down that big, it's like, am I really going to take that extra step sometimes to try to tackle a guy or just let him go for, give him a light push out of bounds? Yeah, and I mean, they ranked 118th in the country as far as you know yards per carry allowed on the ground especially, which to me maybe leads into talking about the defensive line because if there's one unit that I expect to be better this year, it is that defensive line because they have everybody coming back. You know, they have Bryson Bridges, you know, Silo Silatu on the ends. They have Owen Roberts in the middle. And they have guys who played in, you know, a few games behind them who are coming back factor into the rotation too. Like, you know, Christian Johnson played three games last year. You know, um, Sinjin Astani played nine games. But those guys have to take a step forward because, you know, I've talked about Havoc rate in the past when it comes to other teams. And those guys just weren't making enough plays, you know, to stop, you know, plays at the line of scrimmage behind the line of scrimmage to force turnovers or anything like that. You know, Bryson Bridges only had three and a half tackles for loss last year. Owen Roberts only had five. I think if, if the Spartans want to survive, those numbers have to go up at least a little bit. They have to just be able to create more positive plays for themselves because as a unit, they ranked 128th last year. And so, you know, it's really no surprise that when you go back and look at defensive success rate, you know, as a team, they ranked 120th. They just weren't getting the job done on early downs. And like you said, they were getting pushed around a lot. And I don't know that there's an easy solution other than those guys who are veteran guys, if they can stay healthy, they have to be better. What do you think? Like, so looking at the guys you mentioned, guys who are, like I said, recruiting class is pretty good, guys who didn't play a ton last year, what would you expect them to be better just because the depth is there? I know there's a couple of guys to replace, like the two DNs. 
But it looks like, from what I'm hearing you saying, that if the guys take a step forward, this could be how good do you think they could be? I mean, it's. I think that that's difficult to say. I think it helps that they have continuity because mm-hmm. their defensive coordinator, Derek Odom, is there for year two. Good. You know, but the big question is, you know, the guys behind them, who's going to step up at those linebacker spots? Because they do have one spot nailed down in Jamal Scott. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to be pretty good. You know, even if he ends up in a position like Brangina where he's having to fly around the field and make more plays than he probably should. You know, but he's a guy who had three sacks, 10 tackles for loss last year. So that's a positive. But the other two spots are kind of up in the air. You know, is it going to be, you know, kind of a veteran guy like Tyson Parker who saw some playing time last year? He's only a sophomore. He could step into one of those spots. Or are they going to dig into one of their new recruits like Kyle Harmon, who was a three-star guy in their most recent class? You know, to me, that's kind of the bigger question because the sooner they get that settled, I think that that's going to make life easier for the guys in front of them. I just think what will have, have to happen, like you're not going to replace Frank Genda because 133 tackles, as was that, and I think that led the league last year, NCAA overall too. Yep. Up there, like per game basis, everything was just amazing. But I think you're right with uh, Scott. Like he had more sacks than Ginda, basically evened him on TFL's three less, three fewer, I should say. I think it's going to be a combination of guys because like, it's, it, it just boggles the mind that Ginda could have such a great year. I guess it shouldn't, but defense was just not – like if you look at the um, explosiveness chart, like it's super tiny. You want it to be expansive on the radar, I should say, the defensive radar. It's yeah. like everything's like super small. It looks very bad outside of a couple passing situations. But I, I don't know what to expect. Like it's hard to see them being worse, but – it's helpful with the defensive line coming back. I just it's gonna be one of these young guys that has to step up. It's gonna be a combination of guys and maybe year two, like maybe they take this huge leap. Like all these coaches are pretty new. Like the like head coach there, he was a receivers coach before he came a head coach. You know what I mean? It's like the experience isn't that there isn't there. And so maybe they had their first year figure, kind of figuring things out. And maybe this is the year they maybe they win the same amount of games as last year, maybe they win two, maybe they go three, maybe four if they like it, but they're more competitive and I don't know. I just think it's going to be when the young guys step up, but I just – it's tough for me to say. Like, I'm, I'm not going to say I'm confident in anything with San Jose State because of how they are. I'm confident Montel Aaron should be pretty good, but even them, kind of shaky. I would say for linebacker, it's – maybe it's one of the new guys. Maybe it's going to be Isaac – was it Togia? Togia? I'll say Togia. Like, Junior Fahoko. Maybe one of those guys will do it. I don't know. We'll see. But if we go to secondary really quick, they have – yeah, those three of the top four guys, it's going to be – Ethan Aguayo going to be their main guy, but they have like seven other guys who played a dozen games. I think this unit might be the best. Maybe because teams are going to pass it. Well, maybe let me rephrase that. Maybe not because they're going to run still like crazy, but I think they have enough talent in the secondary where if teams do pass against them, they will be able to hold their own. And see, I'm not sure what to make about this rebuilt secondary because in the back of my mind, I'm almost worried whether this year's defense kind of flips the script a little bit where, you know, teams maybe are a little more reluctant to run the football because they have more success throwing it than they've had in the past. Because I think it's worth noting that at least in the past three years, you know, the Spartans have ranked somewhere between sixth and eighth as far as, you know, opponents quarterback rating. Mm -hmm. But like you said, they're replacing, you know, some you know very some really veteran guys like Jermaine Kelly who was an NFL draft pick and Maurice McKnight who's up in the CFL now. You know, to me, there's a lot of prove it in that secondary. Yeah. You know, whether whether Dakari Monroe can step up and and secure a full time job, whether John Toussaint can, you know, come in as a JUCO guy and and you know secure a spot, or whether young guys like Trey Webb and Bobby Brown, both of whom are sophomores. You know, are are they going to be able to to be that next Maurice McKnight or something like that? You know, I I wonder about that a little bit more than probably just about anything else on this defense, like how well that secondary comes together. I think with the amount of guys that played last year, it should right because yeah, that makes sense. Like continuity is a big deal if you play that many. Look, what would they have? Let me just double check here. Guys with ten games played last year, one. Two, three. I know this is exciting. Eight guys played ten or more games. Another guy played nine. 
So, yeah, they lose three of their top four, but they have guys who saw the field at some point last year. Yeah, a couple had just five tackles, but look at all these guys had 20-plus tackles who played. Everybody who played last year except for one who played in 10 or more games had 21 or more tackles. They have yeah, guys who made plays. Like, these, like they have guys who, whatever reason, it could have been because of the running game, the guy broke through secondary. But they also have a lot – outside of losing 12 pass breakups from – was it on Chachery there? They have – a decent amount of guys who break up passes. They just they just really didn't get that many interceptions. And so there's a couple things where if you get two more picks out of those pe- pe- breakups, you get um, another guy steps up for tackles or, you know I mean, a stuff or something. But I think the biggest area is their pass breakups were okay last year. If they can keep that going but get another pick here or there, maybe that'll help them out. It's like those are hard to predict, but – they had plenty of guys who were making plays, and so whether it be just tackles and passing against them, but overall, like yeah, their yards per game last year weren't that great. The QB rating they allowed was tenth. Like even in what twenty sixteen, it's the same um, kind of situation. It wasn't um, great the passer rating, but teams don't throw the ball a lot against them. So there's a chance where they got to make basically they get, they got to make the most of what happens to them because I it's, think teams are still going to run first against this. Spartan team just because historically they've been terrible running the running the, or stopping the running game. It's going to be really interesting to see whether the Spartans choose to lean on their veteran guys like you know Trevon Vieira and and you know people like him, or whether they choose to lean on their younger guys like Webb and Brown because both of those guys were three star recruits after all. You know, I guess it kind of depends on how quickly things come together in non-conference play i think we'll know one way or the other pretty quick especially considering who they're playing in september all right so let's um anything else on any final words on the defense here for you matt i think we i don't know about the defense but i think maybe we should mention that the special teams is still probably going to be pretty good yeah i think so because bryce crawford did have pretty nice 2017 you know he nailed i think it was seven of ten from over 30 yards which is no easy feat for hashtag college kickers yes. <laughs> and you know they are going to have to replace michael carazosta but you know i think whoever ends up in that situation and i believe the the front runner right now is brian papazian who's a redshirt freshman you know if the offense scuffles, he's going to get a lot of work, and we're going to figure out pretty quickly whether he's a worthy successor to Carrizosa or not. We'll see, because he wasn't Carrizosa drafted, right? Uh, I want to say six round pick. I, I want to say that he was, yeah. Okay. Let's just say he was, okay? Are we good? Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> and then returning the ball, like Zamir Ziegler, because running the ball is going to be super deep. He comes back. He didn't, didn't have a touchdown like Rashid Johnson, who's gone, but him and like maybe um, Gaither? Might be run, getting some return. They 20 plus 20 yards of returns, not too bad. And punt return, not great because the defense didn't stop anybody. Did they really only have 14 punt returns last year? Or is that just a that can't be right, is it? No, that sounds about right. <laughs> you think that's about right? <laughs> I have no clue what to make of the punt return. I think their kick return will be pretty good because they'll have plenty of chances because I think they'll be a, a lot of points will be given up against them or scored against them. So, yeah. I'll say Ziggler's good. Punt return, TBD, right? All right. All right, let's uh, take a quick uh, respite here. That's a good word, right? Respite? Yes, it is. And we'll come back and talk about the schedule. All right, you know who San Jose State opens up week one against? UC Davis. Should I be bold enough to count that as a victory before talking about that team? I think it's. I think you probably penciled it as a win. Oh, not pen it in, but pencil. Okay, you can pencil. <laughs> it. It's all. They're only given a fifty-seven percent win probability. Did you see that? Fifty-seven percent. That seems like it should be a little higher. Is UC Davis even good at football? I know they run the triple option out there in the uh, Big West. Is that right? They still play football, right? I mean, I think you might be thinking of Cal Poly. Maybe I'm. Maybe, maybe well, it's some UC school. I don't know. Sorry. Um, but still, it's don't like, let don't let anybody at Cal Poly catch you calling at a UC. <laughs> I apologize. Is that is that a big deal then? Is that a? It, I mean, I have no idea. I think it might be. I have no idea. I mean, you know, Davis is okay. Here's what I tell you about UC Davis. I did a quick search of Athlon, who covers some FCS football. They have a wide receiver named Ke- Keelan Davis, Keelan Doss, excuse me, considered the top receiver in the FCS ranks. 
coming into hmm. 2018. He uh, is also ex- expected to be drafted in the upcoming 2019 NFL draft. He had 115 receptions, 1,499 yards, and seven touchdowns. Apparently, they were ranked number 22 in, the, I guess, the FCS Top 25 Bowl. Okay, not bad. So this, maybe, come on, can we give him 60% chance to win? I would give him a 60% chance to win. They should win this game, but this will be a decent test for them. I think it's 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 an ideal opening test for them rather than having to face a ranked team like they did last year. Oh, yeah. Allegedly. Well, no, I can't say allegedly they were ranked. And allegedly good team? I don't know. We're, yeah. off, we're off of that, right? It was USF the Bulls? It was. All right, so then they go to Washington State, which I, if you mentioned or heard me say before, Matt, these two teams last year combined for 73 turnovers given up. Not great. So we already talked about Washington State in a previous show with um, who's it Nevada who plays them? Is that right? Yes, they do. So here's what you know: it's 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 already going to be a game where it's going to be a lot of passing, not much running. I should mention this game is up in a uh, Pullman on the Pac-12 Network. So if you get that, good for you. I should correct myself by the way: it was Wyoming that plays Washington State, not Nevada. I thought I had Nevada here. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's right. Wyoming well, they come to War Memorial Stadium this year. War Memorial. Mm-hmm. But we know, we go back and listen to that one if you want to hear in depth. But basically, Washington State's new quarterback because the Tyler Zinski, um passed away this past off season, CTE and other other things going on. But it's going to be the same thing what they do. They're going to pass the ball a lot. Let's hope Mike Leach doesn't have any conspiracy videos going, leading up to game week to send out because that can dist- he wants to distract you with the not truthness of stuff. But mm-hmm. Spartans like. Does six percent sound about right? <laughs> Their win probability. Yeah, <laughs> like I said, their non-conference schedule is probably not as conducive no. for getting off on a winning track as as some other teams in the Mountain West. It's gonna be like forty to three, right? It's gonna be pretty close to that. Yeah. Is it gonna be worse than playing college and say football on your converted rosters? Um, it might be. Yeah. So that's a pretty much guaranteed loss. And they go to Oregon. Um, I forget. Which is, even, which is even a worse matchup. Yeah. Good or, good Lord. Um, I'm basing on this. Who's Oregon's new head coach? Because Willie Taggart's not FSU. Uh, that is Mario Cristobal. Oh, wasn't he from previously at, um, oh, crap, um, SEC, right? Well, yeah. he was at Simple. Alabama for a year. That's what it was. As, okay. as one of those uh, analysts. analysts. <laughs> who knows what they actually do but he was the interim coach if you remember the las vegas oh yeah that was a mess (laughs) but he kept the recruiting class together and they gave him the head coaching job so this should be a game where it's not gonna be very close like oregon should win this game even new head coach or there's just just it's basically comes out of talent disparency discrepancy i should say it's a pac-12 team like Oregon, what are they going to win? Maybe seven games this year, eight games. They're not expected to be great, but they're probably going to make a bowl game. And Spartans are going to be on the well other end of that. They're going to have coming off playing a back-to-back road games. Not that's far in the Northwest or up there anyways, out in San Jose, Northern California. But I think Oregon's better wash. Oregon is better than the Cougars, and Oregon should win by without breaking a sweat, right? I think Oregon's probably going to drop 50 on the Spartans without breaking a sweat. Here's what I want to ask you, Matt. Is this first half going to be better or worse compared to the Vegas Bowl last year? So is Oregon going to be get the <laughs> go up like 42 nothing right before halftime? Or like what's going to be the closer game that until they score those two back-to-back pick sixes or this first half here in their favor this time around? I have no idea. You don't know? That's, that's pretty, I don't know. That's, a, that's, that's how you can make this game interesting, right? Yeah. I'm going to say it's not going to be that bad, but it'll be close to it. Then they get Hawaii, one of the possible victor, victories on their schedule, even though they're not projected to win at home. Do you think they could pull this? I think they could pull this one off, maybe. So, okay, why don't you lay out your case? Well, Hawaii's de- – have you seen – here's my layout for the case. Have you seen Hawaii's defense play ever? <laughs> uh, I have. That's part of it. Okay, new quarterback, an issue. Mm-hmm. Hawaii doesn't run the ball very well. They've lost um, Dysime St. Juice. He's gone. They're going to a four, five wide onslaught of wide receiving groups to pass the ball a lot. And that's, um, well, that is a different scenario that could come into play for the secondary, but it is experienced, as we mentioned. 
I just think it'll be close because it is, what, week four? I think it's close because Hawaii's defense isn't very good, and I expect San Jose State's offense to take that next step with Montel Aaron throwing the ball, and that's why I think it'll be sort of close. I'm probably leaning Hawaii, but that's the reason why. Defense is bad for Hawaii, and the Spartans' offense will be just good enough to keep pace for a little bit. I have this one as a San Jose State win. Ooh. Because, you know, we know Hawaii has at least one good receiver. We know they have at least one good veteran offensive lineman. We know they have good linebackers, and that's about it. (laughs) We don't know who the quarterback is. Yeah, like I said, we'll talk more about them at length when we get to that podcast. But, I mean, I just – long story short – We'll talk about it more at length. I don't have a good feeling about Hawaii this year. Nice teaser. I'm going to say, I think um, I'm going, man, I'm going to go with you as well. I'm going for San Jose, San Jose State win, mostly because after also what I mentioned, but being at home. But, well, it's not necessarily the home field advantage. It is always the travel, but Hawaii does all the time, so it shouldn't be a excuse. But San Jose, San Jose State also has a bye week prior. So they have mm-hmm. a week off to kind of chill after getting beat up. Winning, hopefully not losing 100 to zero combined between the two games before, but it's going to be like a close one. So toss up is the right direction, and but my my coin's going for the Spartan side. Yeah. And then um, how quickly should we do the rest of these games? Colorado State, Army, San Diego State. Uh... Well, why don't we just <laughs> why don't we frame it like this? <laughs> Go for it, because I don't want to do every single game here. Will San Jose State win another game in 2018? <sighs> Ooh, I don't want dead silence here because that's not good podcasting or radio. In audio medium, you got to keep keep the airspace filled of vibrant words here. Could use that would you like? Would you would you like me to answer my own question? Is it a no? Zero goose egg? No, they will not. So here's your schedule the rest of the way: Colorado State at home, Army at home, at San Diego State hosting UNLV, at Wyoming, at Utah State hosting Nevada, at Fresno State. Out of these games left, UNLV is the best chance for a victory. Is that – would you agree? Yeah. I mean, I think so. I was, I was looking at Army, but they've been pretty good the past couple of years, and they run the ball a lot, so that takes them out. So you're saying – so we're both saying they might go 2-10. and 10. Yeah. But <sighs> they – but Yeah, but they'd win a conference game again. So again, but that's not better than last year. <laughs> well, I mean, I think what it'll come down to is just being more competitive. Mm-hmm. For sure. And I think that, you know, when you look at the these other teams that we've talked about or have yet to talk about, in especially in the West division, that are, you know, maybe a little bit ahead of schedule. You know, I'm talking and I'm thinking specifically about the Nevada schools, UNLV and the Wolfpack. You know, it, I guess it wouldn't surprise me, you know, if San Jose State's offense especially, you know, if they can come together and figure out how to put points on the board more consistently, those games could be a lot more comfortable and could make the difference between making a bowl and not making a bowl for, you know, one or two different teams on the schedule. I mean, I'm not expecting them to pose any kind of real threat against, like, the the elite teams on their schedule, and I'm thinking specifically about San Diego State and Fresno State. But, you know, if if the defense, you know, if the line holds up, if they figure things out in the secondary and, you know, if they can figure out how to outscore teams early on, that's where things get interesting. But I'm not I'm not sure how much of a certainty that's going to be this year. Here's where I think they have a chance to do that, because it's going to be a home game, most likely. Mm-hmm. Colorado State's defense isn't expected to be good. They have a new D.C. there. Um, Lombardi English retiring. UNLV gives a lot of points. It's a home game. And not that I'm going to say Nevada could be a victory because I think their offense is too good. But that defense isn't very good for Nevada's either. And so those are probably the three likeliest wins on the schedule after Hawaii. I still don't – like even UNLV, I think they're going to be much better than last year. And so those are the only games. Like going to Wyoming, I guess maybe Wyoming because that offense is is probably going to be just as bad as last year. Not much better. And so maybe Wyoming because it'll be like a three to zero game on some port, maybe ten six, one of those games. Mm-hmm. That's about it. Like, but I don't see any good chance of them winning the rest of the way. But I guess what you'd want to see is don't get blown out by UNLV, don't get blown out by 
like Wyoming who can't score the ball or probably can't score the ball. Maybe try to do something versus Nevada, get maybe the 20-plus points against a defense that's susceptible. But it's going to be another long season, and I don't know. It's got to be – they're building for 2019. is going to be a year where I think they can get back into it. Mm-hmm. But I got to go 2-10 and 10 because I don't see another game where they can win on, under the circumstances we see here in July. Yeah, I don't have the number in front of me anymore, and I'm, I'm, it's probably on a different page. But they're not going to be outscored like 41-16 to 16 from week to week this year. You know, the, the mar- that, those margins are going to be a lot closer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that is mostly going to depend on, you know, like I said, how big of a step forward the offense can take. Because I think they're going to have to lead as the defense tries to pick up the pieces. And also one thing to look at, too, turnover luck. They're, like we mentioned, 41 t- turnovers, essentially. Mm-hmm. Cut, seriously, if you cut that, cut that down to the worst ever this past decade, like what, mid-30s, that could be an extra... 20 points for the whole year, which may not lead to a victory, but 20-something points, maybe 30 points. You know what I mean? A, a swing, I should say, not necessarily in their favor, but that could be a 40-point swing some way. But mm-hmm. st- stuff like that you want to see, like don't give the ball up, turnover luck, uh, protect the ball, fewer sacks. It's just going to be small things and build till next year where keep it close first, first UNLV. Keep it close versus Wyoming. Maybe shock Fresno State and go up 7-0 in the first quarter like did something versus USF last year. Mm-hmm. You know I mean, get a quick field goal versus San Diego State, be up 10-3. Who knows? But it's going to be a two-win season. That's where I'm going, and that's – I don't see anywhere to get beyond that. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I still think – I still like the direction they're headed in. They're bringing in talent. I like this coaching staff. But we're going to need at least another year, I think, to determine where they're really at. All right. Any final words on the Spartans here? I think I'm pretty much all set. I think that's good. You are welcome, folks. I thought we'd be go 40 minutes. We've gone. We're gonna go our typical nearly an hour, which is our shorter show in the off season. But that's not a big deal. If you like our podcast, if you're listening to this, I'm sure you do. You're a fan of Mountain West in some way or another. Head over to our website mwr.com. Head over to our Twitter, Facebook. Um, we're doing our top 50 countdown. Find out who's San Jose State going up against all year over at the. It's on our tab on the top page. We're at the mid-30 range. Um, head over to our Patreon if you want to get a few extra stuff here and there. Get the list early. Mount MWCR over there. Subscribe. Blog Talk Radio is where our podcast is at. Stitcher. Uh, tune in. I think we're at Last FM, Spreaker. As I say every time, wherever you can find good podcasts, that's where we're at, correct? Mm-hmm. And next time, I will say it now, we're going to talk Hawaii Warriors football next week. And until next time, we'll see you then, folks.